The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Joe. Hello. Good to see you again, my friend. I am thrilled to be here. And now we know that you had COVID. I had COVID. And you shook it off like it was I nothing. shook it off. I mean, I didn't need those monoclonal. I mean, you're a weak person, and Joe. Like, you. If, if you were like me, you wouldn't need that stuff. I wouldn't need anything. I was you out didn't even there. know you had it. I had it. I was out there spreading it, <laughs> unaware that I was spreading it. I feel so bad. Well, I, I was wearing a mask. Most people, uh, I don't think that works. Most yeah. people did that. Most people were out there spreading it. I mean, they, what do they say? Like the, the the people that don't show any symptoms, the asymptomatic folks, they were in the high 40%. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of people. It's crazy. Yeah, but this is not like even PCR tests, right? Because one of the things that, as of December thirty first, the um, I b- believe is the CDC put this regulation in place. They stopped using the standard PCR test for COVID because there's too many false positives. They're, they test people with influenza, other coronaviruses, c- common colds were testing positive for COVID. Now, do you feel a certain responsibility? I have so many questions. I know it's the Joe Rogan experience, but this is going to be me interviewing you. Is like, do you feel a certain responsibility to? Because just even chatting before the 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 breadth of knowledge that you have on this, I mean, and it's shifting constantly, right? So like, Omicron is like for me, Omicron was kind of like a. A Dateline episode. They're like, here's what we know, but now we'll go to a commercial break. And like, they just kept, we still don't know, but like, you seem to know, and you obviously interview a lot of brilliant people like me that um, <laughs> will give you some of this information. Yeah. But like, look, when I met you, you were, uh, this was before news radio, and you had stand up where you were like uh, imitating Tiger's fucking. How do, <laughs> how do you go from that to like, you know, like particularly on COVID, because the information's changing. How can yeah. you stay updated? I don't know. It's a strange path. Yeah, right. It's I a mean, very. It's well. It's not a path that I took on purpose. That's right. that's what's weird about it. Well, you've always had a curious mind. Yes, I've always All been comedians. Curious. Yeah, I, I think so. For, yeah, for the most part. But um, with uh, not just with COVID, with pretty much every discussion that I have. With people, that's about something that's fascinating to me. I just have a very unusual memory, and, yeah. I, and I also I have this uh, I, I have this unique opportunity opportunity to pick people's brains and yeah. have these conversations with people where I can ask them these questions. Right, and it's it's invaluable. Here's my other main question that I've been dying to know: How do you, because in the entertainment industry or creative people? We all know that, um, you know, there's the drive, there's, uh, but the downfall is ego. Mm. How have you navigated this empire where you now own three-fourths of Texas? <laughs> <laughs> and how, how have you managed to not succumb to, like, some Shakespearean story of where... Hubris. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how have you not saying. self-destructed? Where you're like, you know what? I, I go on my meth bender. You know what I mean? Like, you don't do any of that. No, I, I exercise really hard. That's that's the big. I'm not like sounds like bullshit, but that's really what it is. That grounds you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because the the training that I do, the martial arts stuff and yeah. the kettlebell stuff and the strength and conditioning work, it's so hard that yeah. everything else is easy. And then I do like ice baths and saunas, and they're so hard that everything else is easy. And yeah. so that's where I struggle. I struggle in those areas so that I don't like have this existential angst in the rest of life. Well, all right. So we strip away. We take. What if I stole your kettlebells? What if I? Uh, <laughs> what if you? What would Joe Rogan be like without the exercise and the Instagram uh, a close up of a sweaty face? I worked out today. <laughs> I didn't want to, but I did it. What would you be like without that outlet? You'd be filled it's, with anxiety. I'm not good if I just take a couple of days off. If I take a couple of days off, I get weird. You'd be yeah. fatter than me, you think? For sure. You'd be. You're superior. I, you know, like I, I got COVID. I didn't even, didn't notice, even notice it. it. But I, I didn't get the original COVID. I got the Omicron. the new version. Yeah. I got you know it's like Gallagher two of COVID. Right. I got like it's like a crypto version of. <laughs> I didn't get like. I got like one of the crypto, you know, like when you're on your Coinbase account, you're like, who's buying this shit? You got new Coke. Yeah, I got new Coke. <laughs> I got new Coke. Remember new Coke? That didn't last, did it? And is some yeah. of it, is it yoga? Do you meditate? Yeah, it's all those things. Yeah. Uh, I, I do a lot of my meditating while I'm in the sauna. Yeah. I, I used to listen to books on tape in the sauna, yeah. but I realized it's actually beneficial to my head to just have nothing and just go right. in there and sit and think. And yeah. so for 20 minutes every day, I'm just sitting and thinking in this fucking oven. And when you go to bed in your chamber, yes. right, in your tank, do you sleep in an oxygen tank? You no, don't. No, no but, but I do like, use one sometimes. You do? I use a hyperbaric chamber sometimes. Is that what LeBron yeah. does, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of athletes do. It's really good. And so, but when you go to bed, you're not like me falling asleep with the TV on. You, There's no, no. TV in your bedroom. No, I don't watch it. Well, there is one, but I don't use it. You don't, and yeah. you, I've never even turned it on. What is I've your guilty here. pleasure? Food. You put mustard on your elk meat. Daddy, what is your? Daddy likes to eat a lot of food. <laughs> you do love like yeah. those cheat meals. When I see like uh, the rocks cheat meal, <laughs> it's like, what? So he is not eating any. Like he's not doing bread or sugar, and then he's like he just the amount of diarrhea he must have on those cheat days, right? <laughs> It's gotta be like I don't. I'm not cleaning that bowl. Have you ever met him? I have not. He's enormous. He's like he's a, a big guy. Superhero status. Like when you're around him, like you can't believe that's a real person. Yeah, but is he happy? He's so big. He's very happy. He seems very happy. He's like a bazillionaire. He's very wealthy. But uh, my point is, like his body can take in all that food. Like there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. When he's eating stacks of pancakes and giant cookies yeah. and ice cream and. And that, yeah. you know, has once he sells his liquor company, then he's going to be like, I never drank any of it. <laughs> but but uh, what about it? Do you have your own liquor? No. No, I don't have my own liquor. And, but you- uh, I drink, though. Yeah. But, like, you, you haven't been approached to have your own tequila or vodka? I've been approached by some companies to do stuff. I mean, I may in the future. What I really like is whiskey, though. I'm, yeah. I'm a whiskey person. What about bourbon? Uh, bourbon. You know, okay. bourbon whiskey. Yeah. Bourbon yeah. is just a Kentucky form of it. Uh, yeah. well, I, I like uh, bourbon. I, I think bourbon is actually an American version of it, right? I like scotch, too. But what I like is old stuff. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like if you want to make whiskey right, like Buffalo Trace, Yeah. it's eight years. Wow. It's got to sit in the barrel for eight years. Like, What's the most expensive whiskey that you've drank? Like you're like, I can't believe I had it. A... I drank some 21-year-old scotch. It was pretty expensive. It was really good, though. Oh, yeah. I've had 21-year-old yeah. scotch. Do you That's want some? amazing. We have some. Uh, 
18 year old here. I, I, I get nervous. Do you want um, a sip? You want a little sip? Um, sure, I'll have some. Is it 21 years old? I think it's, what do we got here, 12 or 18 or something? Hold on, I'll find out. What Joe does is he gets his guests a little bit buzzed, yeah. and then before you know it... Before you know it, you're talking shit. Yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, <clears throat> Glenn, these are not sponsors. Glenn Livett, this is 18 years old, and this is McCallan. This is 18-year-old. Wow. I think McCallan for you, Gaffigan. It seems, yeah. like a, seems like it goes with your heritage. My heritage. I don't know. Do you drink? I do. I drink occasionally. Occasionally? Well, this is an occasion, my friend. I mean, it's been 25 years since I did, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Good to see you, brother. Um, mm. Like, that's smooth. Now I gotta start over. This is why I like this. I know. Now, one day sober. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, so that's... You work out in the morning. Yes. And you'll... How how many days a week will you drink alcohol? It depends on how many podcasts I do and what kind of animals are in here. Like if comedians are in here, they yeah. like to drink. Yeah. You know? I'll have, I like to have one drink before a show just to kind of like get loose. How many more years do you think we have with Bert Kreischer? I mean, I love Bert. I love Bert. But like That's he a is- good question. He is kind of like it's. Uh, he's a machine, but like it's like the he's machine. A science project. The machine has been running at full throttle for a while, and there's sand in the gears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean honestly, we love Bert. I love him to him. death, but I we like Tom is his best friend, and Tom and I have had conversations where we express concern, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know what to do. I mean, you can't like. You know, we that's one of the reasons why we did Sober October. We had this big competition. It was to save Bert. Yes. <laughs> no, really? 100%. Oh, my god. Yeah, it was to save yeah. Bert because we thought he couldn't take a month off. In fact, his doctor was nervous about him taking a month off. Because the, he might thought there might be a shock to the system? Yeah. Well, oh, alcohol and benzodiazepine are the two drugs that are the most dangerous to just quit cold turkey. Those are two drugs where people die from. Every now there's alcoholics listening. Well, Joe said, keep drinking, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> well, you're supposed to wean yourself off of it, and you're supposed to like when people detox from alcohol, they do it under medical supervision because it's it's very sketchy. It, wow. it can be really dangerous for your body. Wow, your body. That's I believe that's what killed Amy Winehouse. Really, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she went cold turkey off of alcohol. See if that's true. I'm pretty sure though, because she was a really bad alcoholic. Brilliant. I thought it was singer. other stuff. It was alcohol so. and was, other stuff. I think it was the alcohol that killed her, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong. We'll find out shortly. It feels <clears> like with generations. Found dead inside her London apartment. Multiple investigations have concluded that Winehouse died of alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. So she drank too much. With a coroner's report after her death revealing that Winehouse had a blood alcohol content of 0.416, more than five times the legal limit to drive. Yeah, but I bet she did that all the time. Yeah. No, I like my father, you know, and that generation, they could put, I mean, they my dad, they could put it away. My dad, like I thought this was normal. My dad would get home from work have a vodka, and then after dinner, he'd have a scotch. Like, I thought that was normal. Yeah, I but thought that, that was But that generation was like, boom. Yeah, they died they quick. Were, I mean, my first job in advertising, I was sent every Friday to a liquor store to buy bottles of booze for different VPs. Oh, yeah. Well, if you work in an office in a high-stress job, alcohol is almost like mandatory. 
for those people just to like unwind, throw a couple of ice cubes and everything. Jesus fucking Christ, what are we doing? Yeah. Whoa. At the end of the day, these guys just want to do something, take the fucking edge off. People put in their time. They put in their time. I mean, if you're a, a person who's in one of them high-stress jobs where you're working 12 hours a day every fucking day, and then you're bringing a lot of it home with you, yeah. right? I mean, my God. What a lot of people do, I mean, think about how easy our fucking job is. Oh, my gosh. In comparison to, like, a real job. It's an hour. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. much easier. I mean, I, you know, I, I spent, uh, like, five days, because, of course, all... Shows got reshuffled. So my October, November, and December were really intense with tour dates. And so I was in Seattle, and I would do my shows and go back to my hotel room and just write. And, uh, I mean, it was – I just can't articulate how much I loved it. That's awesome. It was just like performing and writing is just so incredibly rewarding. I know your point is like – Compared to people that are like mixing cement, I mean, yeah. it's like so easy, but it's also the level of stress and the amount of time. Like, yeah, like we don't have to be around people that much. <laughs> it's only you like a I mean? couple hours a night. It's just like, yeah. all right. I mean, we do eat a lot of shit on the way up. Yeah, you know what I mean. But that that is definitely an issue. I mean, it weeds out people that aren't absolutely determined to make it because it's so difficult. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, I remember at one point my brother-in-law was like, he was, I was doing spots in the city. And he was like, what do you get paid for these spots? And this was true at the time. I was like, $8. And he goes, you get $8 to work? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and I'm like, but it's 15 minutes. And he's like, wait a minute, you get eight dollars. Like that was then there. They uh, now people get compensated more for a spot in the city, but it was eight dollars. Yeah, and that's how it was at the store too. And you didn't care. Yeah, you didn't care. You didn't. Well, care. The, you, the goal, the ultimate goal, was to get road work, like to really get a, a gig. Like to be headlining at the weekend at an improv. Like, yeah. oh my God, I'm really there. It's my name on the marquee. Holy shit, people are coming out to see me. And that is almost, it feels unattainable to people that are just starting out. The idea yeah. that one day someone's going to come see you. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I remember Geraldo was like, he wanted to tour. And I was like, I just want to be a writer on Letterman. Mm. That's all I wanted. And so like the notion of touring, I mean, look, we live in a day and age where People are putting out multiple specials. I remember Dennis Leary did his uh, No Cure for Cancer. There was no expectation that he would need to do another one. Right. Well, Kinnison, he had that one HBO special that was his really good one. And yeah, he had the Ronnie Dangerfield spot that he did. And then, you know, he had a couple afterwards that they're kind of fucking, he was doing coke and partying. Yeah. And it really wasn't the same. Yeah, that one special. That one special, yeah. Sam Kinnison. If you want to see what Sam Kinnison was like when he was really good, it's that one HBO special. And there was, with the exception of Carlin, no one was doing the hourly thing. He was the unusual exception. He was so yeah. unusual because he was yeah. doing a new one every year. I always like, think it's so funny how Carlin is so revered, but I, I obviously all comedians uh, respect him. But like during when he was around, I don't think he got enough respect. You know, what I mean, he he was probably appreciated for the you know words you can't say on television. But like he was pumping out some 
really serious stuff. Yeah. And I think the audience didn't really like some of the shit he was saying. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all these rich people in the audience, he's like, we should turn all the golf courses and give them to homeless people. People are like, wait a minute, we paid to get in here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he definitely had a lot of counterculture in him, you know, a lot of rabble rouser and you know like he has some great bits to this day that, about diseases that people oh, keep yeah. reposting you know yeah oh it's just it's there's not a week on twitter where he doesn't have yeah. some uh you know clip that really kind of captures the moment oh, how many specials did he have let's just guess 15 i think he had 20 20 probably. i think he did one for every year at the peak of hbo when hbo to get a special on HBO, he was uh, it was a standard because and and I remember I saw in an interview, maybe this is uh, that you know he tried the sitcom thing and they it didn't work so he stuck with stand. I don't know what the there's there's Carlin experts that were probably uh, could explain a lot. Better well, than he me. he had. Uh, some really good interviews and god i wish I, he was alive while i was doing the podcast where i could have interviewed him and talked to him maybe he was in the beginning what year did he die um I, everything's a blur now oh. everything was six years ago or four I years say, ago i want to say he died like 11 2011 2008 2008 wow so it was actually before the podcast so, but if I had uh, the opportunity to talk to him, I would have definitely talked to him about his creative process. But there's some pretty good interviews where he talked about that. Oh yeah, no, I remember. I'm trying to just turn off my phone because I'm an idiot and I didn't turn it off before. Look at all these specials. Yeah, that's Eighth. unbelievable. <clears throat> so he went. He, he had some gaps, right? Like look at that, 63 and then 67, and then 72, and then another one in 72. God, he had two in 72, and then one in 73, one in 74, 75, 77, 81, 84. So what is the total number? This So for this uh, discography for Maine, I guess, whatever Maine means, is uh, 20, including that 2016 one. So the 2016 mm -hmm. one, I kind of like it when a lot of people die, was supposed to be out on 2001 around September 11th. But it was literally scheduled to come out right after oh, September wow. 11th. And the name of it, I kind of like it when a lot of people die. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking obviously a bit of an issue. Yeah. But yeah. so many. Uh, HBO specials. I don't know Look if it was that. separate from that. Oh, too. I always thought it was every year. That's so interesting. I thought it was every year. I felt like it was too. First 12 specials. Huh. So those are HBO specials, and what are the other ones? Are those albums? That's, yeah, I guess that'd be audio albums, maybe, because there's also television and film appearances in there. Scroll down, scroll down, where you just had up, tell, where it said tell, scroll down. So we, what is that, television? Yeah. Oh, okay, so these are different. Okay, and scroll down a little further. So these are all spots on television shows, and then scroll down a little further, and these are the HBO specials. Yeah. And then written works and audio books. Wow. lot. A lot. Yeah. I know that he went through a period he dealt with. Um, I mean, you probably have interviewed Kelly Carlin probably. But, I haven't. I've, um, I've spoken to her on Twitter. I, I don't I don't know her at all. But, like, I know that he struggled with some addiction yeah. and stuff like that. But He had a pill issue for a while. Really? Yeah. I remember I was, I was probably 93. I just started stand-up. And he went on at the original improv on 44th Street. And I remember he had a tape player, 
and he had a piece of paper where he, you know, like a cassette recorder, and he had these notes, and he had punchlines underlined. Mm. I mean, granted, this is 30 years ago, so maybe I'm remembering some of it wrong, but I remember thinking, God, that is just, the detailing was so impressive that, and you can see it in his writing. Yeah. I mean, the 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 wordsmith uh, is just so extensive. Yeah, he would write out his entire special word for word, yeah. and then he would just kind of tighten it up. Yeah. That was how he did it. And he would write sober, and then he would punch up on marijuana. He would smoke right. pot and punch it up. Wow. Yeah, that was his move. Brilliant. I saw him bomb in, oh, yeah. in front of my roommates in, really? uh, in New Hampshire in 1988, 1989. Yeah. I think he went through a rough patch a couple of times in his career. I think with new material, you know, it's like American stand-ups versus like British stand-ups. There is, you know, there's such a necessity to kill in America. Right. Like you can't be bad for a moment. That's why... I was so impressed when I saw Chris Rock once at the comedy store just fearlessly like, what else? What else? And he didn't get laughs for like 10 minutes. And he's like, okay. And then he got off stage completely unfazed. Like, I would be like, uh. get, get, me, get, get me heroin, something. And uh, yeah. But the whole thing of uh, Carlin, uh, just the volume was insane and also you have to you have to you have to risk bombing yeah he didn't work out either like he didn't go to comedy clubs and and practice that was actually part of one of his routine he had this routine called uh and fuck this and it was like everything was fuck this and fuck that and fuck comedy clubs he like he literally said fuck comedy clubs like i'm I'm, i don't have to work out in comedy clubs and he would just go and when i saw him in new hampshire he went on stage with a legal pad, a yellow legal pad, and he had all his stuff written out, and he put it down, and my roommate was like, why is you reading his jokes? I was like, because they're new jokes, you fuck. And I think there is, it's weird because, do you ever have like younger kids at your shows? No. no you don't have like a 15-year-old boy? No, that's not legal. Okay. What, what do you mean? It actually legal? might be legal here. In Texas, a lot of shit is legal. I just found out in Texas, you can bring a child to a bar, and as long as the dad is with the child or the mom is with the child, the child can have their first drink. Really? Yeah, at a bar, like a kid. Like you bring yeah, an I mean, in year Ireland, old. there's kids in all the bars and stuff. Yeah. And also, when we were kids, it was like- Oh, yeah. It was like not that big of a deal. Oh, no. I, I went to my father's bar when I was like five years old. Yeah. Yeah. And so- uh I can't even remember. What's in this that you gave me? Whiskey. <laughs> Scotch. <laughs> it's like... It's good. What we do <clears throat> is yes. we just... We have these bottles of scotch, and what we do is we just we lace them with heroin, and then comedians come in, and we'll just give them just like a sip of it, and they'll just freak out. How long did you take off during this pandemic before you... Like, with no stand-up at all? I did some drive-in shows. Those are wild. I mean, I did you do them with Bert? <laughs> no, I. You know, it's like it was. It's it was kind of like dry humping. You know what I mean? It's just 
<laughs> and uh, not, it's like that's a throwback from when we were teenagers, right? It's a good way to put it, though. But uh, it was, yeah, I did a couple of them, and I was grateful for them, and I'm sure the audience hopefully had a good time, but it wasn't stand-up. It's a little something to like remind people what it used to be like to go out and to see a show, but you're in your car, you yeah. don't have to worry about catching anything. And... and so, but to answer your question, I went a good year and a half wow a year and a half yeah i mean i was supposed to do Chappelle one of Chappelle's weekends everyone got covid so i couldn't do that and then i was in vancouver for four months working on a movie so i went a year and a half and i was doing these cbs sunday commentaries for the first 22 weeks and but i i didn't really write stand-up so like because my thought was, no one's going to want to hear about this pandemic, so I'm not going to write about the pandemic outside of these Sun CBS Sunday commentary. So then, when I started writing, it's like you, you know, we don't have control of what comes out. I had some of this pandemic stuff that ended up in Comedy Monster, but I didn't have an expectation of doing material on the pandemic. Did you? No. I mean, I think I never have expectation about doing material on anything. It's yeah. just like if there's a bit I enjoy doing that seems to be working and makes sense, then I just start doing it. But if I had no material on the pandemic, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I, I, but my God, I fucking talked about it so much. I mean, of course. I'm so exhausted talking yeah. about COVID. Yeah. No, it's I, I miscalculated. I thought that it was going to be similar to politics, where we consume all this politics all the time, that when people get into a comedy room or a theater, they're not going to want to hear about it. But I right. think that the pandemic has been so truly traumatic, not just the pandemic, the whole experience, Yeah, that we're going to be digesting this for quite some time. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of anger at a lot of the businesses that went under. There's going to oh, be a yeah. lot of anger at the politicians, how they handled it, and medical professionals, and whether or not early treatment options were pursued correctly. There's going to be a lot of anger, and it's. But there's also a lot of opportunity for humor, and yeah. there, people love that escape. They love yeah. the ability. Like if you crack a good one about COVID, they have this ability to let off some steam. You know? Well, I also think there's a lot of, you know, particularly through the pandemic and. It's just generally kind of my approach, I think, is that humans are pretty dumb. Like, we're <laughs> generally, not only are we dumb, we think we're smart. Yeah, there's a lot that's, of that. That's the worst part. That's the saddest thing ever when a really dumb person thinks they're brilliant. Right? It's not the saddest thing ever. It's but the saddest again, thing ever when a child dies, right? Yeah, that's I mean, it's, it's like everyone... You know, everyone kind of looks at their parents like those idiots. Right. And our kids are like those idiots. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. this generation after generation. You know, like when they were putting leeches on people, the medical community was like, we did it. We figured it out. We put these blood suckers on people and we got it. Anyway, let's have some drinks. Well, they would bleed you out too. They would yeah. not just use leeches. They would cut you and and leak your blood into a bucket to try to remove toxins from your system. It's so weird, like the shock therapy stuff, how like that disappears yeah. in our lifetime where they were like, can you believe they did shock therapies? And now you'll read an article. They're like, you know, these things, shock therapy might work. <laughs> 
It might. Humans are so stupid. Well, it's it might not work on everybody, but it might work on some people. Do you remember there was um when Ed Muskie, no, who was it? William Montgomery. William McGovern. When William McGovern was uh, running for president, his vice president, uh, it turned out in the middle oh, of the race against Nixon that he had undergone shock therapy. Yeah. And like everybody's like, oh, Jesus. They decided that he was a kook. And so his vice president pick fucked him. And he really had, because Hunter S. Thompson was on his side and he was writing yeah. about him and he had kind of gathered up some momentum. And it looked like he had a real shot to beat Nixon. And then. Once his presidential, vice presidential candidate guy start, turned, you know, turned out to be a kook. It's all, it's the timing of everything. Yep. Right? It's timing of everything. Yeah. Timing is, is the big issue. Well, especially when there's something, that's why it's so crazy about presidential candidates. You know, we were talking about elections overseas, about in other countries, they do it a, a very quick election. There's not as much money yeah. in it. It's only yeah. a six week thing where everything's run. We, 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 our elections essentially run for two years. It's like from 2022 oh, yeah. on, there'll be a two year process of people posturing and moving their pieces into play. And, and saying they're not running. Yeah. But bit. hey, I can't say officially. I can't say officially, but yeah. if I was going to run, I would attack this administration on their yes. terrible treatment of blah, 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 and this and that, and the border crisis. Whoo! Yeah. What have they done to the infrastructure? Oh! Yeah. And no one fixes shit. That's what's crazy. Think about all the things Biden promised before he got into office. And there's people that are actually shocked that he didn't do everything he said he was going to do. People are like, I can't believe this, and I voted for him. How many fucking times does Lucy have to pull the ball from Charlie Brown before Charlie Brown realizes... Right. Well, this I would still take I would take Biden's corpse over Trump. Well, it's not really Biden, right? It's the the cabinet. It's the people that are running the 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 whole administration. That's what's going on now. It's not Biden. It's all the other folks that are moving things into place. But, but like, I mean, I, I still look at like you know, it, it, along the same lines of what you just said. So like, Betsy DeVos. Yeah. Um, Stephen Miller, you take all those people over, uh, you know, even Mike Pence, you take, you take him over, say what you want about Kamala or Kamala or whatever, <laughs> you, you know, it's like any of those people. And I know I'll probably get murdered by some Trumpy, but like, it's like, I don't think she's the best example. I think Kamala Harris is a storied history of incarcerating people and, uh, keeping people in jail past the time they were supposed to be released to use them as cheap labor for the state of California Mike to fight Pence wildfires. believed in, like, you could uh, do therapy to get rid of gay. Wait a minute, you don't? What? But what did we do earlier? All that, that hugging and everything. I what? thought that's what that was about. That was, we hugged out my love for you. <laughs> that is a crazy thing, thinking you could pray gay It's so away. weird to feel your butt implants. Like, why... <laughs> Would you get butt implants? I didn't like my flat butt. You know, I, but I like wanted a, a high art. But like that a, was cultural appropriation. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. There's some people from my culture that have that. It's just I'm lazy. How long do, do you do think squats. we got? What do you think? I we worry, got 10 years? Yeah, you I think, think we got 10 years? I worry we have about 10 years. And I think the decline between what happens now. I'm too old to learn Chinese. I right. can't. I'm so not going to learn problem. Mandarin. My kids to. are, my, my sons are learning Mandarin. Thankfully, there's apps. Yeah. Yeah. 
like they have a thing with Google. Um, they have these uh, things. I think it's is it with the Galaxy Buds. One of one of the Android phones has the ability to translate in real time with sound. So, like, say if you said something in Chinese, yeah. the phone would say it back to me in my ear in English. But that's where isn't that the basis of why so many wars have started is miscommunication. Oh, well, also being led by people that pretend they have your best interest at heart. Look, in the real world, if there was no government, why would yeah. anybody fight with the Chinese or the Serbians or the Russians? Like, we wouldn't. We'd have no problem with them. They're over there. We're over here. Huh. It's fine. The problem is when enormous groups of people are led by a small, tight-knit group of individuals who are influenced almost entirely by money. And so and you think it's all money? A hundred percent. You think money you, and natural let me ask resources. You this. Do you think that the entertainment industry is about money? Yes. I disagree. What's it about? Love? Joy? No. It's about ego. And well, I that think too. I think I think whenever people are like, oh, the entertainment industry is about uh about money, I'm like, really? Because, you know, Mel Gibson did Passion of the Christ. They you could do like five of those and make a lot of money. It's not about that. And I think that politicians is uh, here. By the way, I'm destroying my career on this episode. Um, <laughs> but it's about status. It's about everyone wants to be in the restaurant and be uh, greeted with uh, warmth, whether yeah. it's a restaurant or country club. It's like that's true. And every now and then, someone does something like Mitch McConnell. You know, he's going to go out to dinner in Kentucky. And he's going to be harassed by a Trump supporter. Right. And he's like, Ugh. He Well, he gets harassed by Democrats. Yeah. No, well, he gets... But the thing is, is like, all these people want to be respected at their country club. They don't care about... The money's not the issue. You don't think that the money is the primary motivating factor for them making movies? I don't think so. I think it's... Why... You know, it's like they want awards they want accolades they want respect of their by the way comedian to comedian i don't even have to ask you this comedians care about the uh respect of their peers that's a big factor and that is way more important than money yeah that oh, that's an enormous that's way factor. more important than a credit well here's the thing like there are some people that do really well and they don't have the respect of their peers and they always seem to be living in hell yeah, or right. they're chasing it. Yeah, they don't have friends. Like when it, there's a few people I know that are comics that are fairly successful that have zero comic friends, and that they are the most miserable, weird, fucking bitter, stingy people. They're just fucked because they yeah. they're out they're on the outside. I call them islands. I always refer to them like with other comics. Like there's certain comics that are like an island, like they're yeah. not in a community like most of us are. We're, well, we, I think there's something about. Um, the the ambition it's like if ambition takes over if you care about ambition more than community that's a problem it's a problem it's a big problem well it's like there's not many of us jim i mean how many comics are there really legitimately on earth is there even a thousand are there even a no. thousand working professional comedians that make a living and can headline clubs and theaters I, I don't I th even think it's a thousand. I think it's really strange, and this is along the same lines, how people 
um, and, and, and the public perception is so off on this, is that what people don't realize is that comedians with completely different views on a lot of different things, stylistically, dramatically different, um, in the green room, they're, you know, they're they're all getting along. Yeah. Like there is obviously some people that don't get along and there's people that go astray and, uh, you know, they can get become outcast because they steal material or whatever. But I think this notion that comedians wish ill upon each other is so false. It's very false, and especially good ones. It's so weird because the reality is is that comedians are these weird kind of misfits in a way that when another comedian does something, even if they don't like it, they, they're they like on the same stage. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Whereas I think in other aspects of the entertainment industry, it isn't the case. Like I, I presented, I don't want to brag, but I presented at the Country Music Awards. Ooh. Uh, no. And what was so interesting is I don't, I know, I know very little about country music. The sense of community there was sincere. Mm. Like it was an award show, and they opened the show with these ten stars. You know, from Brandy Carlisle to Dolly Parton to like you know, uh, that's probably all the country music. <laughs> no, <laughs> but they all there wasn't the hierarchy. Mm. And what people don't realize, I think, with comedians is that. Yeah, there there's some hierarchy, but that disappears pretty quick. It disappears with when someone kills. Yeah. If someone's a killer, like like they uh, immediately get brought into the fold. Yeah. If you see someone and they do a 20-minute set and they fucking murder you like god, you want to grab them, dude. Yeah. That was fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're because we're happy that someone else made it through. There's yeah. uh, uh, again, we're talking about how many people there are, there are working professional comedians. How many headliners are there in the United States of America? Real headliners. Is there 500? I don't even think there's 500. But I even think like some of it is not necessarily even the headliners. It's like oh yeah, there's different kind of um, there's different tools that people have. That's why it's so weird. And I love acting, but like when I work on a movie and you get a call sheet and there's like these and some of it is for organizational purposes but you literally see this hierarchy played out yes. and you're like oh wow that's strange and and uh whenever i work on a movie my manager's like don't expect actors to be comedians because you work with a comedian for 3 days and your the status is evened out right. do you know what i mean it doesn't matter if someone's headlining or someone's middling and that's not the case in the you know that's why I think people want awards is because so when you go into this hierarchy you're like no I can come in I got this nomination I had a conversation with this uh, a friend of mine was dating an actress and uh, she was talking to me about uh, news radio the sitcom I was on yeah. and she asked me what number I was billed on <laughs> in the credits. So what that means to, to everybody else at home, there's eight people on the cast, and she wanted to know what, when they said my name, like when the opening credits. She was an actor, right? Oh yeah, 100%. And I yeah. was like, wow, that's fascinating. Like that's a interesting, she goes, oh, it just, you know, 
it, my my agent says it's very important to get high billing. Mm. Like where where they list you, like li news radio with Dave Foley, yeah. Andy Day, like all that. Like when do you, when do they say your name? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I must I must feel for her because. She didn't know that. No. She was kind of programmed. Well, it's, she was young and she was trying to make yeah. it in the business. I mean, it, she wasn't malicious. She was just, this was a concern. Like yeah. one day she wanted to be on a sitcom or a show and she wanted to have a good billing. Yeah. Yeah. So she just wanted to ask me what it was like. Yeah. So weird. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. That's, you know when you know that yeah. comedians get along when we meet each other in the airport? When you meet someone in the airport, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where are you working? Where are you been? You yeah, know? yeah. That's the number one time. Yeah. There are certain things that, uh, yeah, there's, you know, authenticity is a really important attribute. Huge. It's, it's really, so when the, the concept, I mean, we're talking about Carlin who essentially reinvented himself. You know what I mean? But like. You're, you know, comedians are on this journey to find their more authentic selves. Yeah. And it is, it's all, you know, stand-up comedy is all self-assignment. You know, it's like Comedy Monster is my ninth special. and But no one's saying, hey, can you do another special? It's like. You decide when you're going to do it. It's all yeah. selfish. It's similar, I mean, you know, it's similar to. What you've created, no one said, hey, like people like to think, oh, there's someone back there saying, hey, Joe, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move to Austin. You're going to open a comedy club. You're going to do this. There's no one doing that. It's you. Yeah. It's it's you. Not only that, there's a lot of people telling me don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> this, all the people that like when I get this big Spotify deal, then I'm like, I'm going to move to Texas. They're like, No. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't fuck this up. Like you have something great going on in Los Angeles. I'm like, it's gonna be fine. Like, we gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I'm like, I'm gonna live my life. Like th this is something I do during my life, but I'm gonna live my life. And my life, my instincts are, I gotta get the fuck out of Dodge. I'm like, this city is not, it's not the same city anymore. It's like it's got a mask on. It's the it's got the old LA mask, and behind it is danger and corrupt government and a, a, a lack of accountability about the economy collapsing. Like, see ya. I'm getting the fuck out of here. So they were not happy with that. Like, there was a lot of people that were very nervous. The people that you know profit off of the show, but I was like, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to do what I do, and this is what my, my instincts are always just to do what I do. What do I want to do? I want to get out of here, so I'm going to get out of here. I'm not, I would never stay just because, like, somebody else thought it would be a better idea. I'm like, eh, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting that um, no one, even when you're told you're funny to do stand-up, you have to... Not only do you have to get up there yourself, but you also now it just sounds like I'm patting myself. No, on but the it's back. true. It's like you have to also when the crowd more or less says, "I hate you." <laughs> you have to still do it. Yeah, you have to. Well, they hated me, but one day <laughs> you'll it's, see it. It's a it's a form yeah. of mental illness. Oh, 100 percent. If you don't have mental illness, there's no way you're going to make it. Because you're going to have to get past the bombing. The bombing should be enough pain 
to force anybody out of the business. I would say that bombing is like sucking a thousand dicks in front of your mother, but I think that's not true because there's got to be a guy out there who would like to suck a thousand dicks in front of his mom. Right. There's got to be a guy out there be like, see this, mom, nine hundred nine nine. This one's for you. You fucking raised me wrong. But, <laughs> but yeah. no one wants a bomb. No one. No one wants to say jokes it's... that they hope get a laugh and then they fall flat. And by the way, the term bomb is a gentle description of public humiliation. Yes. It is full, wholesale. It is... Uh, you know, it occurs where there are people that look at you with a level of disgust. By the way, I was on a plane next to um, Chris Christie, and I uh, and it was interesting because I was thinking about him, and people were getting on the plane, and um, people were very polite. But I was like, this guy, uh, so many politicians. You know, and he's a fighter, but so many of these politicians, maybe they almost crave kind of like saying something that the audience doesn't like. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, like the shock. So comedy, some of it is surprise and shock. But like I was sitting next to him and I'm like, he's a fighter. Most of these politicians, do they get off on the groan that the comedian sometimes gets. You know, like when you say something and the audience is like, oh, but you did it for yourself. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I obviously do it to a much lesser dis- uh, extent than you filthy comics. But <laughs> does does he, do politicians get off on that? I think it's probably a contrarian thing. It's probably a human nature thing. Like people like saying things that other people don't want to hear, especially if they can be proven right. Wow. Yeah. Well, that guy single-handedly made me not scared of COVID. When he survived. Oh, yeah. I'm like, he survived? <laughs> I'm fucking fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, but he I'm going to cruise right through this He shit. also got all the good stuff, right? Everybody should get all the good stuff, Jim. That's yeah. what's going on. That's, well, that's why that's you're running for governor up. of Florida. Yeah. Well, DeSantis is doing a great job. I'm going to run for, like, Arkansas, something that no one else votes. Some, somewhere easy. But then you then you're moving to Arkansas. That's what Bill Clinton did. Well, he was from there, barely. Barely was he? Yeah, he was raised in Hope, Arkansas. Really? Yes. That's a place. Yes. Who knows? No one yeah, lives no, there. No, the uh, Huckle, lives Huckleberry there or whatever. The Huckabee's also Huckabee. from there. <laughs> Huckabee. <laughs> now Huckabee. You think Huckabee? I think he. No. I think he wanted to be in the entertainment oh. industry. Yeah, That's probably. What I was well, getting at. What do you think I was going to say? Should be president. No, wasn't no. he? He was on like Fox or something. Didn't he have a show for a while? Yeah, he had a show on Fox. Yeah. Did they cancel it? Well, he was a preacher also. Ah, uh, well, that's show business, right? That's Kinnison, you know. And so, and uh, Bill Hicks also, yeah. right? You no, know, I don't think he was a preacher. No, but like I think that there was, uh, the, you know, he was raised in uh, the, some of that Christian stuff, wasn't yes. he? Yes, yeah, he was definitely raised. In I say life. that like I'm not Christian. Well, you're a Catholic, right? I'm a Catholic, which yeah. is, you know, it's hardcore. That's card. That's part of the Christian faith. Oh yeah. What were you raised? Catholic. Yeah. You were raised Catholic, yeah. and now you're going to hell. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to the dimension of elves. So, are you agnostic? Um, yeah, you know, I would say that, but it's, it, it all comes with too much baggage. I don't like the term atheist. I, yeah. I it's like, to me, being an atheist is, um, 
I know it means without a God. You don't believe in, you know, you're not a theist, right? But I think it's uh, it's very arrogant to pretend we have any idea what happens when we die. You know? Yeah. Do I believe that there was a man who walked on water and died and came back to life? And no, but I, I, That's I think very that anti-Semitic most of, of what it, <laughs> most of what that is, if you understand human language and you understand history, is you know you're dealing with stories that were thousands of years old before they were ever written yeah. down and they're in a lot of different cultures too. yes yeah. yes well epic of gilgamesh is like the oldest version of the bible in terms of like the stories of noah's ark is kind of it's got roots in there there's a lot of there's a lot of like parallels it makes you think and i and i'm a firm believer that a lot of what that is is documenting cataclysmic disasters that happened to the human race and those have been substantiated by archaeologists and by people that are geologists that study core samples and there's been some epic moments where most people were wiped out and they survived and a lot of these stories I think are the basis of a lot of the roots of these stories that are in the Bible and the Torah and a lot, a lot of ancient religions but as the idea of like is there a God it very, there very well could be something very well, and I'm I'm Why? not. You should have him as a guest on your show. I would love to. Right. Um, uh, why do we assume it's a he? Yeah, I don't think it has a gender. Right. Right. It's probably something. It's probably something that is the energy that creates the entire universe itself. There's probably a thing, whatever that thing is, and I think to try to label it and try to box it in with our pathetic language is pretty silly right. our understanding yeah. yeah it's it's very interesting because obviously um i'm not in a 12-step program but that is a faith-based thing yes. and and i do think that um the notion for me personally that um there is something uh that is I'm not in control is really important. So that, and that possibly there is a notion of something that can forgive me or that I should not uh, be caught up in this twist of self hatred is really important to me. And, and so, so that is how you balance your ego. And you, you feel like that helps yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that all being said is that. All these things I'm saying, I I will forget in a day. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like yes. I I in the end, I'm a dumb guy. I mean, yeah. we're all dumb guys, yeah. right? But um, yeah, I mean, and I think that that's why it's so impressive what you've built, and you have not self destructed. There's no indication of self destruction. There's uh, I mean, it's not it's it's. You're not the first person. I mean, The Rock has built an incredible thing. I want to see you fight The Rock. I'm not fighting that guy. I want you to fight him. He's like or 100 pounds larger Can you than kiss me. him? Can you... <laughs> I'll kiss him before I fight him. <laughs> but there, I, I do think it's fascinating because uh, among comedians, there is this self-destructive Tendency, thing. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's, not, it, it, it's not mandatory. You know, it's not something that's unavoidable. You can avoid it. It's, you know, the idea that it's uh, self-destruction is inherited. It, it, it's in, um, it's inherent to whether it's rock and roll or art or comedy or even actors. 
Yeah. I just think it's just it's so hard to not be. It's very. I mean, with rock stars, my God. I mean, how many rock stars have self-destructed? They're on right. that stage jamming out, and everybody's screaming. They love them, and then silence, and then they're alone, and yeah. then they want to be surrounded by people that keep feeding. And then them that they go love. to a bar and they meet Lady Gaga, and then oh, that movie. I yeah. didn't see. I saw I the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy world. It's it's and it's also one of the things about being uh, a comic or any entertainer that becomes very successful is there's not much of a blueprint for you to follow. No, and the blueprint changes. So when people ask for advice, you're like, you know, what worked six months ago is not going to work. Right. So even your relocation to Austin to this address, which I'm going to announce, no, <laughs> is is. That doesn't apply to now. No. You know, the, uh, the you know, like I remember in stand-up starting, you know, like what I did, like when I did open mics, there were no, there was no audience. There weren't even bringer shows, really. Right. Right. It was like you were performing in front of other mentally ill people. <laughs> <laughs> it was like. There would be a few audience members. like You 10. know, maybe yeah. uh, an alcoholic who was yeah. drinking at 5 p.m. Yeah. But uh, and you know, like the Boston scene that you started in doesn't exist like that. It doesn't exist like that. But I've heard it's made a comeback. I've heard there's a good. Well, scene it's a there. new iteration been, of yes. it. But um, no, I mean, it doesn't that, exist like it that. Did Boston, uh, uh, you know, that was legendary. Yeah. Right. It was, it was very, very unique. It was very unique in that there were so many world class comics that all lived in one place and would headline in these areas like every week. Yeah. It and they make so tons unusual. of money. And do it all in Coke. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only place I've ever been offered to be paid in Coke. Wow. They would they would go, do you want cash or Coke? Or a little bit of both. I'd like, just give me the money, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was Nick's comedy stop. There's some places that were... I mean, allegedly, I don't know for sure. I can't, I could never say this in court, fully run by the mob. And, you know, they, they had these wild ties to organized crime and they were running comedy clubs and I'm sure they were moving money around and stuff. It's crazy. But it was awesome. The people that were there, the, the comedians, they were so talented. They were so good and they never changed their material, ever. Right. They didn't need to. No, they, they didn't do any specials. None of those guys did specials. And all those guys had an hour that would fucking shake the foundation of the building. Like yeah. Don Gavin, Steve Sweeney, and Kevin Knox. And, you know, there were so many of those guys. Mike yeah. Donovan. They were monsters. They were monsters. Kenny Rogerson. Yeah. I, I remember watching them going, how does the world not know about these fucking people? Like, they were, uh, they were as good, if not better, than anybody that was on Evening at the Improv or HBO, or, and they never left. They stayed in this one town, and there were so many clubs they could work at that they had no desire to leave. And they would leave. They would go to other places, and the other places, people wouldn't know them, and they wouldn't right. get the same reaction. So they'd come back to Boston again. Yeah, but isn't that... It's a trap. It, it, it's, it is a trap, right? It's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. Yeah, they they could have been world class everywhere, and they chose to not do that and to stay within the confines of the the comfort of their their playground, which is almost the uh, the upside down version of you being able to go to Austin. 
right? Right. So you going to Austin, you're like, I can go where I want, and I'm going to go here. And the the them not leaving Boston, you know, it's similar. You know, like, look, I grew up in a small town, and there were people that when I moved to New York were kind of like, uh, how'd you get that? And I'm like, you can... You, you can, can move, move there too. too. <laughs> There's, they stopped asking for a passport. They and you so found a ticket somewhere. There is something, you know, there's the comfort they enjoyed. They were also, you know, partying their ass off. But yeah. you have to, I guess you got to make yourself uncomfortable, don't you? Oh, it's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. If you strive for comfort, you're fucked. You, you, you can't do that. There's, I mean, it's not bad to be comfortable occasionally. How do you carry on the lessons that you've acquired? How do you give those to your children? That's hard. That's really hard. Is it I mean, nature I think or nurture? It's both. It's both for sure. I mean, I have uh, one kid, my middle kid, who is a fucking straight up psycho. I don't have to tell her anything. She is just so driven and so smart and disciplined. And then I have my youngest who is really artistic and yeah. was less motivated, but now she does a lot of sports and she's more motivated. And then I have my oldest who is probably like one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And I'm like, you are so nice. And the fact that you grew up with me <laughs> and you've, you've become this incredibly kind and sweet person. So it's like you yeah. don't... You, you, you can't pick how your kids are going to turn out. You can yeah. do your very best to influence them and to give them lessons and to teach them things, but my children grew up wealthy. Yeah. There's no way they're not going to be wealthy. They've never had to worry about whether or not we're going to have food. I remember when I was a kid and we were on welfare wondering if we were going to have food. Wow. And when you're seven years old and that's in your head, that fucks with you. Yeah. And it gives you this feeling of... It's not just a lack of security. It's um, it it lights a fire under your ass to go out and do things because you realize like you have to like how people used to be in the fucking pioneer days. They had to go get food. There was yeah. no stores. They had to go get it. They had to go yeah. get the food. They had to yeah. either grow food. And there, there was no air conditioning. There was no air conditioning. Imagine Fuck, that. That sucks. Imagine being here. Ugh. No AC. No thanks. In the summer. I mean, at least we have a river. Jump in the river. Right. No. Oh. That's yeah, crazy. it's rough. And not only that, they didn't have any mosquito repellent. They didn't have shit. They probably that? had like natural things. What? Yeah, what was New Orleans like? I mean, oh, that, oh. that's probably why everybody's drunk. Yeah, not I think that, you have to get drunk, right? The fucking diseases. I mean, they, there was a malaria yeah. outbreak in America. Do you know that? Yeah, Ma yeah. We've had malaria outbreaks in America, and it's from standing water. And they realized that these mosquitoes breed in standing water. So they, they eradicated the standing water and they did a bunch of different things to try to mitigate the mosquito population. But yeah. All right. Here, let's do a. You're going to do your prediction of what's going to happen in the next 10 years. And then I'll do my prediction, unless you want me to go first. Okay. Um, with the collapse of the narrative that people are going to be saved from COVID by vaccines, uh -huh. they're going to try to push them even further. And there's going to be a bunch of people buy into it because they're going to be afraid that if they don't buy into it, that they're going to be ostracized from the good group of people. 
and that only the bad group of people don't believe that this is the only way to go. The, the possible medical treatments for COVID, the ones, the, the early treatments that are important that are being developed and some of them that exist will be adopted by some and there'll be a, a divide between people that think you should have early treatment or people that think you should have like your fourth booster, which is what they're doing in Israel. Along the way, what I'm worried about most is that they do import some sort of a vaccine passport, which will evolve into a social credit system. The social Similar credit to what system, China has right exactly. Now. That yeah. that's what's terrifying about mandates. That's what's terrifying about the direction this country's going in. Because they said we would never mandate vaccinations. They said that very early on. We would never do that. Now they're saying we're mandating vaccines. Now in mm -hmm. California, you have to mandate a vaccine for children for them to go to school, which is fucking sketchy. And it's really but there's scary. other vaccines that kids take. Yeah, but it's not right. a vaccine because you have to take it all the time. You have to take it every year, every couple right. times uh, a year, three times a year, whatever it's going to be. Right. It's a, it's essentially a gene therapy. It's not like a smallpox vaccine or a measles vaccine. Is there any truth to the rumor away. that went with the different variants as we go through the, the Greek alphabet, that when we finish the Greek alphabet, the world dies? Is that true? It might be. Um, but this is my fear. My fear is yeah. that the government, which is an entity, look, if you look at humans, right, when human beings have power over other human beings, whether they're a boss at an office that's unchecked, that wants to fuck all the secretaries and steal all the money, or whether it's a, a president or whether it's a congressperson who yeah. uh, gets to use insider trading tactics and yeah, accumulate hundreds of millions of dollars. That should be gone. It obviously. should be gone, but all that stuff is in play. Why? Because they've accumulated unchecked power and they will continue to exert this unchecked power as often and as pos as often and as as widely as possible. And my fear is that one of the tools that will allow them to do that is to institute some sort of a social credit system. And people will go along with it because they think that they're doing the right thing, that they're good people, and that good people want people to be vaccinated. And the best way to do that is to have an app. And the best way to ensure that people do the best to protect those around them is to sign up for this social credit system. And they're already buttering people up to it. There was an article in Yahoo about how you're going to be able to have access to more credit if you agree to this social system, um, if you agree to uh, allowing them, the, the, the premise initially was allowing them to look at your browser history. If you allow access to your browser history, I'll show you the article. Find really? Article. Yeah, yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> if you allow access to your browser history. You can get history. more credit, Jim. Maybe you want that nice house. Maybe there's a house you like, and then there's a house you can afford. Maybe you can afford the house you like. Just oh, let it's so interesting. Computer. It's kind of like free Wi-Fi if you give us your birthday. Exactly. So it's letting yeah. you slowly get integrated into the system, and the benefits that you get from it will allow you to take this chance, and then they're going to have their hooks in. And this is the thing that most social psychologists that are studying this shit are terrified of. Credit scores may soon be based on your web history. Is that a good thing? It's a good thing. Experts predict in the not-too-distant future, your internet habits could affect your credit score and help lenders determine what they offer you. We will let you in on what we know so far about how your online activity could be used to determine how much credit you can get and what interest rate. This is the beginning of this shit. Once they develop a social credit system and say, Jim, you've been paying your taxes late. You're not going to be able to go to the movies on Friday. 
Like that kind of oh, shit. Oh, it's like China. You can't get on that train. Exactly. That kind of shit is how they divide society. And that is 100% on the table for the United States of America if we don't watch. If we don't pay attention and if we allow these politicians to have this unchecked use of power, it, it absolutely could be our future. And it will be dystopian at best. If that's what happens, if they have that and kind of unchecked that, power, you think that is is this uh, is this uh, more likely to occur among the Democrats or the Republicans or in either? I think it's probably either. I think yeah. we our idea of what people are capable of is uh, based entirely on the allegiance we have to our tribe and whether or not we you know think we're the good guys or the bad guys. Right. I think if you look at the way the far left behaves with Antifa lighting fucking buildings on fire and throwing rocks at cops and all that crazy shit, they're doing just as crazy. Their, their behavior is just as crazy as people that are on the far right. Do it's, you feel like you uh, you don't feel like the um, – I mean, I, it's just like – so you think that Antifa is as big enough of a problem as – the uh, the insurrectionists and stuff like that. It completely depends on where you live. It right. completely depends on how much power they have. I think if the insurrectionists got to a point where they were supported, like those morons that uh, went into the Capitol on January 6th, right. they got to the point where they were, they were uh, protected and supported by politicians and they were if they um, were described as patriots yes and, and not only that if they were um exonerated of uh, all their vandalism the, yeah. all the things that antifa's yeah. done exonerated of their vandalism said that their protests were mostly peaceful if they right. they use that kind of rhetoric and they built them up i think they're all equally dangerous i think it's a human nature issue more than it is an ideological issue i don't think there's a good ideology and a bad ideology when yeah. it comes to the opposition of power i think there are there are tactics and strategies that people will use and they will use them if they think they're doing it for social justice if they have fucking blue hair and a molotov cocktail or if they think they're doing it because they're patriotic because they have an american flag bandana and a fucking molotov right. cocktail i think they're the same people I think the same people, and if you got that guy with the fucking buffalo helmet on who uh, sat in Nancy Pelosi's chair, yeah. if you got that dipshit and he moved into Portland and he grew up there and he thought that he was going to you know, uh, take down the Capitol building and throw a fucking uh, hand right. grenade at Ted right. Wheeler, who's the mayor of Portland, he would have done that. He would have he he done that. Instead of attack the Capitol, instead of being this QAnon dummy, he would have been uh, an Antifa dummy. I don't, I don't think they're any different. I think they adopt this ideology. They fit in. They get meaning in that. They find themselves. It's their religion. Exactly. Exactly. It's very tribal, and it's, it's very much in line with human behavior characteristics that have existed from the beginning of time. And we know that these people are receiving tons of... Uh, you know, information on uh, through social media and stuff like that. That is like all these, a lot of these, I mean, a lot of these Trump supporters, they're sincere. Like these oh, yeah. people that are Did like. Did you see Into the Storm? Yeah. I the think QAnon so. documentary yeah. on HBO? Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Wild shit. That's why I'm surprised that your prediction. And, and I, you know, when you talk about like the social credit score, but like I look at it this way. Um, 
And some of it is, I'm a comedian, all right? So I am not, but, um, so two years, uh, you know, here we are in 22. Um, it's going to be a, a, the Democrats are going to lose the House. They're going to lose the Senate. They're going to lose a lot of, uh, they're going to impeach Biden uh, on, you know, some kind of Benghazi kind of thing. Um, and it's this powder keg that's getting worse and worse. And, um, and then, um, you know, the voting rights, people are going to be, I would think people would be like kind of pissed in these, you know, uh, these communities where there's, you know, African-Americans have one place to vote and it's 20 miles away when I know that I can walk in and I don't even have to set aside a half an hour. I think people are going to be kind of pissed. I think there's going to be more violence. I think it's probably not going to be good. I think that, um, uh, you know. Is that a gigantic issue where so many African-Americans live in a place where there's no place to vote in person? It seems like voting but rights. But is that like a rural thing? Are you talking about rural populations? I think populations? it's like there's certain communities where the access to voting has been limited in numerous yeah. states. We know that, right? Well, the, there's definitely shenanigans on both sides when it comes to voting. Because from the beginning, like if you said to anybody, like, do you think there's ever been an election where there's zero voting fraud? No. Never. Not, I mean, not I'm not talking one. about Kennedy winning uh, Chicago. But that is, that, but that's that's but the that beginning like, of it. That all. was 1960, right? But do you know that the Democrats accused you think Bush of Trump stealing the election, right? Yes. Yeah, on more than one occasion, and it's like this is a thing that people have but always. Like there's people that think that um, uh, essentially the Republicans had better lawyers. That's how W won that. Yes, there are people that think that. And yeah. then with John Kerry in particular, that was another one, right? Um, with Al Gore, that was another one. But there wasn't there wasn't the storming of the Capitol no. when Trump won. Well, I think that's entirely a creation of social media and the ability to gather up people and do something really fucking stupid like that. And then on top of that, but, but agent was provocateurs. It, was it, all right, agent provocateurs. Did you ever see but those guys? The guys didn't who Trump do a tweet like, it's going to be wild? Oh, listen, he is 100% a part of why they did that. Now, 100% because yes. of his influence and because you said you have to be strong and you have to do that. He was compounding upon some other things that were happening. But I also yeah. think there was, without a doubt, agent provocateurs from the federal government that encouraged people to go into the federal building, the Capitol building. There's, but why? You know, they have them on video. Why? Because they want to arrest people, they want to catch people doing stuff like that, and they also want to be able to so have you're talking more about the authoritarian Scott, right? that, control. That, yeah, that, 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 you watch that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. wild shit. So, but like, you're telling me that, and again, it's like you know, it's so interesting on social media. People, you can't call them this. I'm like, look, I, I'm what not. Are they saying you can't call them um, uh, insurrectionists. Well, what are I mean? they? If you're if you're storming into the Capitol building with zip <laughs> right. ties. These guys had zip zip, zip ties, right? Like a what fucking are they? huge what are bundle. They? Well, of what them. they're saying is that they would describe them as protesters. Some of them, I think, were yeah. protesters who got ca and you caught. You know, up. there were some grandmas and grandpas that were like, yes. "We like Trump." Yes. <laughs> What's going yes. on? But there was also some people that were probably legit terrorists. 
I think that the guy who was with the fucking zip ties. Yes. If, if that guy found Nancy Pelosi and zip tied her and carried her off and or, or maybe even executed her, I mean, that's not outside the realm of possibility with oh, some of these. Fucking I totally people. agree with you. Yeah. I think that like the the uh, the thing that I find so amazing is that the fact that and sadly there was a, five people that died, but like. The fact that like none of the government officials were were killed is like a fluke. Very lucky. Very lucky. Like if they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, they didn't anticipate that. And they thought that, you know, they would be held off so they stayed in the Capitol building and they weren't rushed off into some fucking underground bunker or wherever they put those people. And the wrong people got to them. It's, it's about the wrong people, right? It's like, I think that a lot of them were dorks. I don't think the guy with the buffalo helmet, you see when he was walking around the Senate? Oh, he's mentally ill. He's, yeah. he's got a problem, yeah. and he's not that smart. And he's, yeah. you know, they, he thought he was, like, being a patriot. And I think there's a lot of them like that. And but, why were they? But the guy with the zip ties, when oh, I yeah. saw that, I showed that to someone. I was like, this motherfucker has zip ties. Why do you think he has zip ties? That, that's to restrain someone. That's because yeah. he thinks he's going to play cop or good guy or patriot or and he's executioner. Gonna, or executioner he's gonna zip tie someone's hands yes. you know they were calling for Mike Pence they were saying you're a fucking traitor and you were gonna come I, for you I I can't I can't begin to to contemplate the the mindset of Mike Pence over the past five years I mean it's just well he was a radio guy right well he was also he's I think he's a, a I think he sincerely loves his wife. I think he's sincere in his Christian faith. But, like, I think, like, the, look, all politicians are politicians. But, like, the level of decay. And, by the way, this is following up two stand-up comedians talking about the amount of shit that we've eaten, <laughs> the amount of humiliation that we've consumed. But, like, there is a point where you're like, Really? R really? You know, and by the way, Mike Pence did the right thing in kind of... Well, he did the right uh, thing in that he didn't try to reverse the vote. Yes. Because Trump, but, there but was like, some sort of weird loophole in that, in the law, that yeah. was being discussed as to whether or not Mike Pence can change... Throw out things. Which is yes. fucking insane. It's absolutely... Imagine insane. if Trump had a vice Trump... Yeah, well, that's right? what he's going to have. Well, who the fuck? And would by that the way, be? that's 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 part of my prediction is. Oh. So then, when Trump runs against Biden, they're both impeached. Mm. I don't think Biden's going to run a second time. I think it's going to be Pete Buttigieg, and it might not even be Kamala Harris. She might bail because she's so unliked. She might become a hazard for the the Democratic Party. If you look at her. Her, the voter confidence and the, the it is weird how it shifts in a matter of three months yeah so i mean biden was pronounced dead numerous times right yeah and so That's was true. mccain before him but the, the I mean? democratic party was so firmly behind biden that even though he was pronounced dead like no one's going to vote for him it's like the what they wanted was the democrat party in place they wanted to get yeah. trump out and have the democrats in place and restore what they felt like was order and so he was the best representative of that, and he's the guy who's going to play ball the most, you know. But I think, um, I mean, look, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think if Michelle Obama ran, she would win. I know, but she's, 
I why think. would she do it? Yeah, why would she, right? She was already the first lady. She did eight years as the first lady. She experienced enough fucking chaos and stress. They made it out. But who knows, man? They She might feel like uh, she has a duty to the country. She might feel like, because she could fucking win for sure. I really firmly believe she wins. Well, I think we also know that uh, the Democrats have to build that Obama coalition, and uh, which is motivating African Americans. So she could definitely do that. Well, it's also we want a female president, right? Like, and to have a female president that is the wife of the greatest president of our lifetime, and brilliant lady, charming, Absolutely. so easy to like, and and she would. You know, she's given speeches her judgment. before. Yes. You trust her judgment. Well, it's what we need. Like, as a president, what we, what we have always needed was someone who represents the very best of us. And we, I think we got that with Obama. You could say we got that with Clinton before he got his dick sucked. We, you know, you could say you know, before he got in trouble with certain things. But we want someone who seems better than us. We want yeah, someone yeah. who is like aspiration. Yes, we want yeah. someone who is when they represent the United States of America, they represent as good as what we have to offer. That was Obama. Obama was this brilliant lawyer. He was so smooth and he was so measured and the way he would talk about things was so statesmanlike that that over I mean not like all of them people are going to have policy issues with. All of them people are going to have issues with whether with what we do overseas or what happens with the economy, there's going to be disputes left and right about everything the president does. No president is universally loved. But what you can't deny is what Obama represented was about as good as America has to offer in terms of intelligence and poise and control of himself and the way he dignified the office he was a great state so interesting because I, I i totally agree but i think that that's what you and i think i think that the reason trump he came to power is probably because there were a lot of people that didn't feel that way about biden about obama well i don't know that I don't. I don't know that. I think really? if Obama had another option. If they said we're going to change the rules, you can run for a third term. He would win. Oh, he would beat. He would beat Trump. I think Hillary Clinton is very unlikable. I think that was part of the problem. The part of the problem was he was running against, and he barely beat Hillary. Right, yeah. he lost in the popular vote. Yeah. But Hillary Clinton was just very unlikable. Like the basket of deplorables, like saying something like that. You're literally talking about half the country. Like the the way they would make these errors in communication based on the way they were they felt they were being attacked by the other side. Instead of trying to reach out and trying to unite everybody, she would alienate them and try to solidify her base. But may, it just makes you look petty and it makes everybody not... They think of you as what he's characterizing, Lion Hillary. They think of you as this like this part of the machine, part Do of the establishment. Do you think that Hillary was a victim of uh, her uh, exposure for decades? Because we right. know she's That's smart. That's a good point, right? Yeah. We know she's very smart. By the way, when she moved to New York, and I lived in New York, uh, uh, and she ran for senator, I was like, no way. It's not going to happen. And she won over New Yorkers. And I'm not talking about just the city. She won over upstate New Yorkers. Yeah. And so, like, I do think that 
she had been around for a couple decades, and we're tired of her. And she was Bill's wife, and and then there was also talk that she had intimidated women who had come forth with accusations about Bill. So it's like, yeah, for sure. I I think think you're right that if she, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's if she wasn't attached to Bill, she probably would have won. Right, which she almost won anyway. I mean, you know, it's, it's a. I think it's amazing that she lost. I, I, you know, I think that it's one of those things where, and by the way, she lost uh, college-educated white women. <laughs> yeah. What? What? They didn't trust her. I think there's a lot of people that didn't trust. They, they don't trust someone who they think is a politician, and they're more willing to trust someone who is a fucking talk show host, a guy who is a uh, host so why of the doesn't The Rock run? Oh, he would win. He would win. Oh, we're that dumb. What's that? We're that dumb. Yeah, he would win. <laughs> so why don't why uh, why I think doesn't he's busy. why doesn't McConaughey run for governor of he Texas? He doesn't want to. He's. I think that's very smart on his part. I think he feels like he can do more good just kind of talking to people. And you know, he is obviously a very intelligent guy, and he's got a very interesting perspective and philosophy on life. I, I enjoy talking to him. Have you ever talked to him? Uh, no. He's a very smart guy. And he also, but like that's him not falling victim to his ego. Yeah, he was like, yes. you know what? I'm not going to fall into yes. this trap. Yes, he's good smart point. enough to navigate yeah. this. Good point. He's a good guy. I really genuinely think that. I don't know him well, but I, from what I know from talking to him, I mean, I, I really think he's sincere, and I think he's really intelligent, and he he has a a very clear philosophy. That he follows and like uh like he's very ethical and moral in the way he thinks about things and he and he thinks about doing the right thing and i think you know he thought maybe that would be a good framework to be a governor and then he stopped i guess and he just what, what am i doing fuck my i'm gonna make a movie <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go make uh, interstellar three <laughs> and do you think that like so we are animals we're absolutely yeah, animals. clearly and, but we're something new, you know. But like the power of, um, you know, you're talking about McConaughey. Uh, he's an attractive man, right? Is that to his benefit? Like, so I the reason I bring Michelle Obama, I think she's attractive. Um, is that the price of entry for some of this? Like, do we give these beautiful people a pass because we like to look at them? I think Hillary. Um, I think Hillary's were... attractive. I mean, she was. I mean, what she is. You, who did you? How much did you have <laughs> no. to drink? What's unattractive are you about to her? Fuck Hillary Clinton. Then? <laughs> no. You had one drink. What's unattractive Jesus about Hillary Christ. Clinton? Uh, the body count. Uh, <laughs> no, like uh, you know, uh, so. I don't know. Kamala Harris is attractive. That uh, probably helps. Physically? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when she laughs at everything that's not funny, it's like a shitty comic. It's so funny. At their own it's jokes. Like, like, I tried Whoa. to do a joke, not about her, about how, like, <laughs> about how there's nothing more rewarding than a laugh and nothing more uncomfortable than a laugh. Than a fake laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. But, it's like, awkward. attraction... Being attractive is pretty important, right? Um, well, it certainly helped JFK. I think it helped Bill Clinton when he was in his prime. It, it helped Obama. It didn't help Trump. Trump's not an attractive guy. I mean, I 
find him very sexy. No, but like somebody must. His I think his success makes him more attractive because he's got this you know bigger than life personality. Yeah, but I think that uh, I mean I don't know. He's got to be attractive to some people. Somebody. It's it's uh, it's more his attitude than anything, and you know. When the guy gives those speeches and he makes fun of things and he gets big laughs, like he's kind of being a comic. He's got good. Oh timing. yeah, no, he's. There is something uh, that I would not deny his entertainment value. Did you, you went on like a liquored up Twitter rant about? Yeah, him I was once, not huh? liquored up. I I would like to think you were liquored up. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. I I think that. Um, Look, I, you know, I've talked about this, uh, you know, I tried to, but I was on the lockdown and, um, you know, I was just witnessing uh, the Republican convention. Look, all politicians lie. I know yeah. that. But like there was a certain amount of, I felt like it was, his lies were working. Mm. Like I, there's part of me that's like the Trump thing it's like even when Bill Clinton was talking, we all knew he was bullshitting, right. but it's okay, you know. And W, he was like, "Hey, doing this, you know, doing yeah. that." It's like we we know we know what's going on here, but with Trump, there's just this allegiance that I was, and I was sitting with my five kids, and uh, not sitting next to them, uh, but. I was like, you know what? This is not going to go well. And I want them to know where I stand mm. on these things. Yeah. And so, uh, and some of it is I did treat myself uh, because I do believe that, you know, I don't think that a comedian, I had a tweet where I was like, if you think that if you're letting an entertainer tell you who to vote for, you shouldn't vote. And I do believe that. But like, I think that there's a lot of people, particularly during the Republican convention, there were all these like – they brought out a nun to say that Biden's not Catholic. They, they had Lou Holtz, <laughs> <laughs> you know, say he's not Catholic. Look, I'm not a good Catholic. I'm not presenting I – but I'm like, come on. Come on. You know what I mean? You can sit there and debate some of this stuff about uh, what – a Catholic politician, but like compared to Trump, right? Do you know what I mean? That's what was just like. Look, let's just draw this in. You know, l let me just tweet about this. And here's what's interesting. So, I was kind of, and I told my manager, I'm like, you know what? I don't regret it, and I might have lost all these people. And he's like, haha. You know, he he didn't care either, really. Um, but uh, then I went touring. Not real change in numbers. <laughs> no Did change. Did you really think you lost people for that? I oh, wouldn't. I, I was convinced. I lost, uh, uh, you know, these virtual corporate events. I, I lost a couple things, you know, and I was like, I didn't regret it. I mean, look, I'm, my kids are going to, you know, be fed. But uh, This I, is a, po a bunch of posturing after the fact, but once the dust settles... You have so many fans. Like I don't. I don't think that's a real concern. And I think also people. Again, it's authenticity. Yeah. You know, it's like they know that it's really you. This is not like engineered. There's not a, well, a writer in the room with you that's working. Yeah, out. It's like there's yeah. not. 
it, it's just a level of – but I will say that I think this is interesting. I was on some show. I won't specify because I don't want to out the 